0: from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. If you would, please uh, stand with me and follow along in your copy of God's Word as we read Scripture. Luke, chapter 1, verse 1. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who have from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Heavenly Father, as we um, reflect upon your word, These four verses here in um, the Gospel of Luke. Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, to be reminded that our faith rests not on shifting sand, but on a sure foundation. That foundation is your Son, Jesus Christ, and we know of him by the inspired words of Scripture. These words, these ancient words, are ever true, and they guide us in the way that you would have us to go. So now, Father, we ask that your spirit would take your word and would build your church and glorify your name. In Jesus' holy name, we ask all these things. Amen. You may be seated. When famous people die, especially in their prime, rumors multiply, stories pop up, and that's an inescapable reality uh, that we deal with today. And so the past several days, all the news outlets have constantly been updating us on the death of Prince. Uh, we've, we've gotten, uh, you know, uh, yesterday I saw USA Today, day three, what we know. You know, they're circulating all the reports, and then other people are uh, talking about uh, Prince's impact uh, on the music industry and on our culture, and and reflecting on um, how he uh, affected our world. And of course, it's not just the professional newsmakers that are doing this. Uh, If you look on social media, it's everywhere. People talk about uh, a song they remember, or you know how they were affected, and. And all over Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and all these people have talked about him and what he meant to them. And I've read several of these posts on Facebook, uh, but one of uh, my favorite came from a friend of mine from high school. My friend Lauren posted the following words on Friday: A Prince song came on the radio, and I tried to explain to my eight-year-old that he had just passed away, and that he was a really good musician and singer. My son immediately responded, Was he a good person, Mom? Well, out of the mouth of babes. Because what really matters when life is over is not how rich or how famous uh, we become in this life, but ultimately how we are evaluated in God's eyes with what we did while we had here on this earth. Was he a good person? The same question was asked concerning a controversial figure who died in the prime of life almost 2,000 years ago. And there was no shortage of answers and opinions then as now. Divine or demon possessed? Healer or fraud? Rabble rouser? Magician or Messiah? What was he? Just a prophet? He never exchanged his name for a symbol. But he took the ultimate symbol of shame in the Roman Empire and he uh, transformed it into a symbol of hope that would last for 2,000 years and counting. The symbol of the cross. He was known as the Son of Man, the Son of God, Emmanuel, the Christ, just to name a few. One day, though, the apostle tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the glory of god the father wow what amazing words to be said about a man to evaluate this type of claim to know that something like this is really true that true enough that we can base our entire lives on it we need more than just opinion and so we are fortunate we are blessed that God provided for us not one, not two, not three, but four gospel accounts from different authors independently verifying the story of the gospel. And while the main narrative was the same, each and every one of these authors wove in their own personal experiences and their own viewpoint. Today we focus on the gospel of Luke. Who was Luke? What was he about? What did he write? How did he go about it? When we think about Luke the man, his name is actually only mentioned three times in all of Scripture. Very interesting for a person who had so much impact because his name is actually not recorded in the books that he wrote. In Philemon one twenty four, we know that he is an associate of the Apostle Paul and John Mark and many of the other early Christian leaders, the apostles and the great leaders of the early church. He was a doctor by trade. In another place, Paul referred to Luke as the beloved physician. Luke was loyal. He was the kind of person that you could depend on, that you can count on in your time of need. As we think about uh, this day, and we honor not only those who have dealt with cancer, but the caregivers, we understand how important loyalty is, how important it is to find the kind of person that sticks with you, even when you are down. And Luke was that kind of person. He didn't have a cold bedside manner, who, who from a distance analyzed your problems, but in fact... Uh, The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul, in his last imprisonment, uh, this was not uh, a country club prison. This was a a horrific place. And yet he tells us that Luke had not left him. Luke was there with Paul in the very end. We know that he is almost certainly a Gentile, a non-Jewish believer, which is kind of amazing because... Uh, he's like us. We, we were not part of the original covenant community. But he was one of those who understood that God had opened up, although he had started his covenant-saving work through the nation of Israel that it had spread to all peoples of the earth. He was the only one in the Bible, or definitely in the, in the New Testament, the only non-Jewish author. What did Luke do that could make us so confident in his work that his gospel would record for us the words of life that we could count on, that we could build our lives upon? In these four verses we read, 1 through 4 of Luke chapter 1, uh, we are reminded of how, uh, how careful approach uh, that Luke used. He used careful investigation. He used a lot of different sources, multiple sources, but he tells us here that he used eyewitness accounts. Luke wasn't just running around and listening to every hearsay that he could find because people were saying all sorts of things about Jesus in the early uh, world, the early Christian times. And he was looking for the eyewitness sources who could say, I've been there, I know what happened." He arranged these facts that he discovered. He pulled them all together. And the Bible says he arranged them in an orderly manner, an understandable way, so that we didn't just get some random snapshots of Jesus, but that we could look at his life from beginning to end on this earth, and we could understand this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God who came to save us. And he told his original uh, audience, a man named Theophilus, And of course, he knew others would read, but this work was dedicated to Theophilus. And he said, Theophilus, I have written this so that you may be certain of what you've been taught. In other words, you've heard Christian beliefs for a while. You've become a believer, Theophilus, but maybe you need to make sure what you believe is really what God says. And we all need to do that same thing at times. We've heard from... Folks on the radio, on TV, we've heard from Grandma and Grandpa and folks around us in Sunday school class. But ultimately what matters is God's Word. And Luke said, I want you to balance what you've heard, what you know about Christianity, and make sure that it lines up with the truth. And so Luke provided that certainty using the highest standards. So we see a little bit about Luke, who he was as a man, and how he got... His method for giving us, but what was his message? What did he actually write? What made him unique among the gospel writers? Luke was compassionate. In his work, he often focused on those who would have been left out in, in that first century society, those who would have been looked down upon, the political outcasts of his day, women who were not held in high regard, the poor. Those with lesser social status. Luke loved a good story. That's one great thing about the book of Luke. He loved to tell the stories of Jesus. Not just what Jesus did, those stories, but he loved to tell the stories that Jesus told. What we call parables. Did you know that over half of the parables that we have in the New Testament are unique to Luke? That is, they weren't recorded in Matthew or Mark or John. And if we didn't have Luke's gospel, we would not know about these, including Luke chapter 15, where we hear about the lost coin and the lost sheep and the prodigal son. It is because of Luke that we understand, that we know those powerful stories Jesus told and so many others. Luke brought out the humanity of Jesus more than any other offer. Of course, he held up his divinity that he was completely God. He was divine. He was the Son of God. But Luke also made sure that we would understand. Don't forget, Jesus is also man. He is also completely human. He carries both of those natures. Because of his divine nature, he's perfect. Because of his human nature, he can enter into everything that you and I enter into. And so he recorded more that we know from any other source about his ancestry, his human ancestry. He recorded all the things, almost all the things we know about Jesus birth come from Luke. All that about in Luke chapter 2 about the shepherds keeping watch over their fields by night. All of that we know because Luke cared to tell us about those poor uh Uh, shepherds out in the field who meant nothing to anybody of any importance in that day, but they meant something to God, so they meant something to Luke. He gave us all of those details about Jesus going to the temple when he was 12 years old. Luke is the longest gospel in the Bible, not in terms of chapters, but in terms of verses, more verses than any other gospel. And Luke himself actually wrote more verses in the New Testament than any other author. Over one quarter of the New Testament was written by Luke, the beloved doctor. So here we have a big picture of a man of high character and extraordinary capability who used the most credible eyewitnesses and put extraordinary effort into building a gospel, so that you and I can know the certainty of what we believe. As Christians, you and I should be incredibly grateful that the words of Luke, inspired by God, were recorded in Scripture and that we have them today to guide our lives along with the rest of Scripture. And so maybe we should just stop there and say, well, that's enough You know, maybe it's a little bit greedy to want anything more, but then you say, wouldn't it be cool if Luke did a little bit more? What if he wrote Luke Part 2, The Church Awakens? What if he wrote a sequel? What if he had just kept on writing and told us what happened after Jesus died and rose again? Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, it is amazing. Because Luke did exactly that. Because he is the author of the book of Acts. Luke and Acts are a two-part, a two-volume work. They are both dedicated to the same man, the man Theophilus. But Theophilus stands for all you and I, all of us who would listen, who would want to know the certainty. And so we can know not only with certainty what happened in the life of Christ, but we can also look at volume two. We can look at what else he wrote, and we can say, Wow, when Jesus left... Is it all going to be okay? Is it going to turn out all right? Are, are, are we left all alone? No, Luke says you're not alone. Because Jesus sends the Spirit of God. It descends upon the church. And the early church grows and is magnified and gives glory to God. Not only do we see the work of Jesus while he was here in his earthly body, but we get to see the work of Jesus continue. As the Spirit of God descends upon the church and mighty works are done in the name of Jesus. Next week, we begin our walk through the book of Acts. We begin with Acts chapter 1. Looking, digging, studying and seeing all that God has to say for us. Because while it's so important to look and to see here's what Jesus did You and I also need to know, here's what we should do. How should the church behave? How should it look? How should we act? What should be going on in our midst? And the book of Acts answers those questions. My goal for you today is two things. Number one, that thinking about Luke and what he did in his gospel gives you encouragement Gives you certainty and assurance that what we believe, what we live our lives is based on a solid foundation. But then beyond that certainty, beyond that foundation, I hope that you will get excited and that you will begin to dig in and say, I want to know more about the book of Acts because I want to see what Luke did in part two. I want to see what Luke has to say about the rest of the story. Because this is an amazing adventure that God has ahead of us. As we see what the Spirit of God can do through ordinary people like you and me. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you today. And Lord, we're thankful for your work among us. God, we're thankful for your grace, your mercy, your kindness. Father, all of that was summed up in the life of Jesus who gave his life that we might live. Lord, we're thankful that we're not in just some sort of holding pattern between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. Father, I am thankful that we are not left alone as orphans in this world, but Lord, you sent your spirit as a comforter, as a guide, as a source of strength to empower us to live for you. We're not just hanging out, waiting around for you to show up again, but God, even as we eagerly anticipate your second coming, Lord, we're to be about your business. You've given us a plan and you've given us the power and you've called us to make a difference in this world for you. And Lord God, we pray that that is exactly what we would do today. Lord, now as we have this time of commitment, Father, I pray that we would respond. Father, with whatever you've called us to, recommitting ourselves, perhaps trusting in you. Someone here today needs to trust you for the very first time. They've walked through the form, the rituals of religion, and yet they have not made a decision of the heart. They've not entered into faith with you. And Father, maybe somebody's here today who has done that, but God, they have not made that public. They have not professed their faith in you. And today they need to do that, to come forward and say, I want the world to know that I'm a believer. Lord, you may be calling someone to unite with this church to be a part of your work here. God, you could be calling out someone to full-time service as a pastor, as a youth minister, as a music minister, as a missionary. God, there are so many things, and you could be calling someone today, and today they need to accept that call. Father, some simply have burdens on their heart, and they need to lay them before you. Father, others of us need to confess, Lord, to no one else, to no other person, no other human being, but directly to you because, God, you and you know and we know where we failed you. And, Father, we need to confess so that that barrier of fellowship would be removed. Lord, whatever it is that you're doing in hearts today, may we respond to your spirit May we not grieve you, but Father, may we please your spirit by responding in obedience. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.